Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. This is Diane Esterbrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily. For a lot of home care providers, Medicare Advantage plans represent the new frontier. Enrollment is growing in those plans in part because of the non-medical supplemental benefits, including home care, many plans offer. HealthAlign acts as a sort of matchmaker for Medicare Advantage plans and providers. I recently spoke with CEO Andy Friedel about how home care plans can capitalize on MA plan growth and just what his company provides. Our focus is really on trying to help health plans connect with a group of providers in the social support home care space that they've never really otherwise easily been able to bring into the benefit. So it's almost like making a connection. Sometimes we jokingly refer to ourselves as like the secret decoder ring for uh, health plans and, uh, and some of these providers to connect with each other because without a tool like ours, many times some of these providers don't want to undertake the complex credentialing process that a health plan might have. Uh, they might not want to submit claims. And so what we've done is we've built a network and a large technology platform that kind of creates an easier point of entry for many of those providers. We have um, simple kind of automated credentialing where they can upload documents that are not as rigorous as some of the more clinical service providers might have, but still are looking at license where appropriate, uh, policies, insurance, et cetera, as well as we file claims for our providers and then really pay providers on a on a 14-day basis. So um, so it's just a it's just it's kind of a different set of services. And it's, you know, the approach has been different. And, and honestly, we think about it as well as our goal is around uh, trying to help plans get out ahead of expensive post-acute spend. And the way to do that is really to bring these services into the home and, and create access points for these services that didn't exist before. Um, and that rate compression and utilization management, that typically happens after post-acute care spend has already happened. And, you know, you can get a diminishing rate of return sometimes when you're, you know, when you're coming in at that point and your strategies are just focused on rates and utilization. So we think there's a better approach. Gotcha. And we've seen so many of these non-medical supplemental benefits um, that have been booming among Medicare Advantage plans. And it appears that the plans are adding more to their menus. And we see that home care, about 700 MA plans, I think when last saw, that, that I last saw, on ATI advisory um, are offering the home care benefits. So what are these plans looking at or what are they doing when they consider what benefit to add? Yeah, this is a really interesting space that I think is moving really quickly right now. And you're right. It is, I think about 700 have that in-home support benefit. We manage at Healthline about a third of those plans nationwide for, uh, for plans offering in-home support benefit. Um, But, you know, I think what they're trying to do is look at this additional flexibility that they received several years ago from CMS and try to figure out what is the best mix of services uh, to support members with that have this kind of desire to stay at home and remain independent at home. And so you've seen a lot of innovation in the space. You've seen plans think about food and rides, and then they think about, um, you know, new services like errand support and um, um, meal delivery and even handyman and pest control. But the, the kind of cumulative weight of all that innovation in some respects, I think has created a burden in some ways on some of the individuals who are responsible for managing those benefits, like case managers and caregivers. And so what you've seen is 
you know, as plans have looked to try to add innovative services, uh, many times they get added sort of one right next to the other. And what that creates for the caregiver or the case manager is they may have an 800 number uh, to call for meals. They might have a portal to go to get rides. They might have like an Excel list of approved home care companies. And it just creates a lot of complexity to navigate. And so what we do at Health Align is try to create a common environment where plans can bring many of these services into one space and they can kind of put them all through out to members in one single channel. So that, you know, it kind of makes it easier for a case manager to, you know, to think about how to organize these services across the whole. We're beginning to see a lot of really interesting partnerships develop. Um, You know, home care companies are looking to maybe partner with transportation companies. We're seeing that, or maybe even meal providers. Does it help if you're a home care company and you're looking to get on the radar of an MA plan to already have an existing partnership with one of these other services? I think so. I think it does for sure, because I, I I think you're seeing a little bit of disruption taking place right now in this space as a result of the way MA plans are structuring some of these benefits. And, um, it's, you know, it started out as a very kind of traditional approvals and referrals where you see a health plan say, I'm going to approve a member for X number of hours of home care a year or X number of visits a year. And that was kind of the nature of these services. But what we've seen take place starting, you know, about a year or so ago, and it's really accelerating is plans shifting. And now they're starting to say, instead of a certain number of visits or a certain number of hours, I want to give members a certain amount of value and let the member then decide how they want to allocate that value. And it's creating, I would say, a pretty, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting and disruptive shift that's occurring as, as a result of that. And now members are really in the driver's seat and, be, and they're able to make decisions about, well, I need grab bars installed in my bathroom and I'm willing to maybe prioritize that service ahead of another service this particular month. And then, and so you see members wanting to kind of pursue these, um, these, you know, one, one-time projects that are maybe more, um, you know, maybe more uh, focused on an acute need versus uh, ongoing or maintenance projects or, or services like, like home care and food. And so I think for providers to start to bring this together and bring these partnerships together kind of recognizes that, that this is evolving from like a more traditional home care where you look at every individual member in terms of the number of hours or the duration or uh, the rate. And you think about the more in terms of how does this, what services does this member need in order to remain independent at home? That's really interesting because we hear a lot from the home care industry that they love the fact that Medicare Advantage plans are offering this as a benefit. Home care is a benefit, but the complaint is at most it's only been 35 hours a year and that really doesn't do anything for them. If I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you might have a client or a beneficiary who could say, I don't really need the transportation benefit and I don't really need the meals, but boy, I could use a lot more home care hours in the home. And they could actually get that, correct? Well, that's absolutely right, for sure. And that's the way plans are kind of evolving. And because 
initially they were thinking about building all of these benefits side by side and right and they had to budget it and they had to say i'm going to put this many dollars into a transportation benefit and you're going to get this many rides i'm going to put this much into a home care benefit you're going to this many visits i'm going to put this much into a food benefit now they're kind of rolling that together and saying okay i'm going to give the member an amount of value and let the member choose where they need it and for sure you know the member then kind of you know can bring that in and to the extent i think for home care Home care is in a really unique position because they can build a really trusted relationship, extended relationship with their their clients, and they can become a resource in helping members navigate a lot of these services. In fact, some of our health plan partners are always asking us, where can the home care provider do more? Like, can the home care provider get involved in helping to provide basic tech, you know, tech navigation? And when I say tech navigation, I'm not thinking about like, you know, a, a someone to come set up your Wi-Fi. I'm thinking more about just helping a member navigate the the health plans portal, or helping a member figure out how to use their their um, you know their their various uh, remote controls the right way, or use their smartphone. And so, things like that, errands, rides, those are areas where I think where uh, home care providers can play a deeper, more connected role to the member in supporting some of these additional services that plans recognize their members need. So if you're a small home care provider in a region and, you know, maybe, maybe you just have a, you're a one franchise person or maybe you're just you, you have your uh, a small agency. How do you get on a plan's radar? Is it difficult? It is. And I think this is where, honestly, you know, put a shameless plug for our business. But this is honestly the role we play here is it is it's very hard for any one home care company, even a huge home care company. I started Health Align inside one of the nation's largest home care providers. And it's very hard, even for those huge companies, to be in a position to fulfill all of the health plan's needs. So then it becomes very hard for a single uh, location provider to kind of hit a health plan's radar. But where we can come in is then we try to build networks of multiple providers and and bring that to a, a a plan that needs fulfillment to happen and then we can ensure that services are um, you know fulfilled for that provider and so some of our best providers in our networks are are individual single location providers because we've made a commitment to work together and they receive our referrals they respond quickly uh, they're scored well in our system so they get more business and they become sort of the in many cases, kind of the feature or front provider in a given market. One of the things that we keep hearing over and over about is data, and data is king these days. Um, is data important? Um, and, and we hear about data in keeping people, getting information, keeping people out of the hospital. Is that what these plans are looking for, that that you as a home care company were able to do this, this, and this, and were able to keep somebody from going back into the hospital. Do they want that? Are they looking for something else? It's a really good question. And I think a lot of effort might be not misdirected, but directed beyond kind of maybe the necessary scope. When when people look at the need for data and immediately think it has to have an ROI or it has to show a reduction in hospitalization, don't get me wrong, that is incredibly important information. In many ways, you know, looked at as the holy grail and everybody needs to see and is find the path to get to that point. But I don't think health plans necessarily look at realistically their home care providers and some of their other provider partners as the essential single source for that information. 
I think rather what they want to do is they want to look at their providers like their home care providers and make sure that one, they're providing information that is valuable to the plan, that's necessary to the plan, and two, that they're not further complicating the plan's job of trying to get to that, that end state. And so I think some of the most important information that home care providers can help a plan provide is simply fulfillment. And um, that, when a health plan decides that they want to offer one of these supplemental benefits, you have to remember they're making a choice to spend the money on that as opposed to something else. So the last thing they want to do is spend money on a benefit that then backfires on the member because the member can't get the service fulfilled. So the plan absolutely looks at fulfillment as one of the most important factors. And so to extent a home care provider can demonstrate its high fulfillment rate, I think that's really valuable to a health plan. So our system looks at when we assign something to a provider, how quickly do they accept it? How much of what we assign do they accept? And how much of what they accept do they fulfill? And those are the, some of the most, I think, important data points. And most home care companies, I think if they're looking at their referral volume, should be able to kind of translate that into fulfillment and turnaround time uh, information that's useful to a plan. So when you're looking at these companies and do you look at customer satisfaction? Do you ask clients? Do you put out like a customer satisfaction survey? Is that important? For sure. And becoming increasingly so for the health plan. I mean, as you may know, the health plans have been, their environment has shifted over the last few years so that more and more of the required metrics that, that sort of drives their, um, you know, their, their, you know, their operations is tied more, more and more so to member satisfaction and, uh, you know, and, and, and member response on, on questions like that. And so it's something that we look at when we are engaging our providers. We, um, we also certainly make it available to our members and seek feedback from our members so that they can weigh in on, on our providers. And that, that alongside fulfillment are the two pieces, I think, that are the most important to, to, provide, to, to a payer. I want to go back to something that you mentioned very early in the interview. You talked about rate compression, and that's the other thing that we hear home care providers kind of complaining about when it comes to MA plan is the rates are pretty low compared to what they might get in private pay. So if you are that home care company, how much negotiating power do you have in getting a better rate? For sure. Yeah, that's a good, good question. And I do think it's another example, though, where there can be a little bit of muddiness between home care and home health, because I hear a lot and I see a lot written about uh, the home health space in Medicare Advantage and the dissatisfaction that providers of home health have with that. And, um, and I do want to separate that from the home care space, which is more of these supplemental benefits. And I can't speak for the direct relationships that some plans have. Uh, with their plan. But I know when we engage providers, um, I think we are, you know, we are bringing competitive rates to providers. Rates are not, you know, are not one of the biggest stumbling blocks that I see among our ability to grow our network. Um, You mentioned, you know, there are, there are limitations on the number of hours. There are shorter shifts. Those can be factors that some providers will find less attractive to the MA business than some other business. But rates are not usually one of the pieces that I find as a as a, a barrier. I mean, most of our plans are able to. Uh, I mean, most of our providers are able to access rates that I think are competitive uh, in their space. I mean, they may be getting paid a little bit more in private pay, but our, our rates are certainly above, uh, well above what you know they may see in some of the other publicly funded like Medicaid space. 
uh, for for providers. So um, so I mean I think it's a it's a space that um, is certainly evolving, but one where I think we see competitive uh, you know we see competitive rates going out, and we'd certainly want to be able to on a market by market have those conversations with providers and not you know have them you know, assume that rates are not good. Cause I think it's, you know, I think it's, I think they'd find the opposite if they engage with us. There's also the value side of it as well, though, because many providers don't go to this space because they don't want to submit claims or they perhaps don't want to go through credentialing. And that's, those are two important um, responsibilities we take off their hands. Um, and we submit the claims to the provider, to the payer for them. And we pay providers on a 14 day basis. So there's definitely a value component that a provider can access and tap into through our relationship with us uh, by by getting this third party uh, payer relationship set up without having to to endure the claim side. Okay, look in your crystal ball. <laughs> we know that these MA plans comprise about what forty six percent of all you know Medicare beneficiaries right now. So when do you think it's going to get over to that fifty percent mark within the next couple of years? It's definitely growing and it's growing rapidly. You mentioned 700 plans. Um, we see that publicly available data. We see behind the scenes, though, another layer of growth that is not publicly available that I think is particularly interesting. Internally on in our shop, we call it sort of like internal adoption um, metrics or internal, internal adoption rates. And those rates, are, I think, are growing even faster than that kind of number of plans that are offering these benefits that you cited. And I think that's being driven by things like inside plans. You have case managers who are familiar with these new benefits that didn't exist three, four years ago, and they're becoming more aware of them and, and more aware how they work together and how they can use them. You're seeing plans change the benefits themselves through these member direction and rolling service, rolling value together. And that's creating more of a kind of a snowball value effect to the member. And then you've got members becoming more aware of this space as well. And so they're starting to utilize these benefits more. But it's it's significantly ramping up in a way that is, you know, month over month, you see growth from, you know, from where we were. It, we're not looking at this on a year over year basis. We're looking at it on a month over month growth, growth basis um, because it's growing very quickly, um, you know, and, and you're seeing that sort of take place. And I think that's an important thing for providers in this space to consider. You think about the crystal ball because, you know, Medicaid didn't cover in-home services at all back in the mid 80s. And you had these seemingly small policy changes that allowed a few states to crack the door open to offer coverage of some of those services. And today, again, it's a good ways down the road, but today that is a huge marketplace where more long-term care spend is going into the home than the institutions. Um, and that just didn't exist. So we think that anything you look at today is just a point in time snapshot and it's changing very rapidly. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's something that I would advise providers to look seriously. I mean, they're absolutely not going to make their year on this space in 2022, probably not 2023, but if they were to think about this as an area to put a few chips on this space and, you know, and, and watch, I think they're going to see this space grow considerably over the next decade. Great information. Andy Friedel, CEO of Helveline. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.